As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Wrapping up week four Sunday action on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Here at The Athletic, I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. It is Monday, October 5th. We are just about ready to put a bow on week four. A couple of games, a Monday night doubleheader tonight. We've got the Patriots and the Chiefs getting together with that rescheduled game and then the originally scheduled Monday night game, Falcons and Packers. So hopefully two good games ahead of us, even though one of them is going to be without Cam Newton. I guess both of them technically without Cam Newton, of course, wishing our best to Cam Newton. Hopefully he can make a quick, speedy recovery and get back on the field. Derek, how you doing after uh, what was a pretty busy, active Sunday early and sort of a boring slate in the afternoon? Yeah, that was not a good afternoon slate. Uh, And obviously it would have had Chiefs Patriots if it not for the circumstances that changed over the weekend that would have been the game everybody was excited about it probably would have lived up to expectations and hopefully we get to see that go off here tonight Uh, but things are good overall I mean I think there are injuries every week and I think after what we saw back in week two I've feared the worst every single week and have been pleasantly surprised we've recorded this show yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, this week uh, was not a horrible one in terms of volume of injuries, but there were two significant injuries in the fantasy world that we are going to start this show by talking about. The first one, Austin Eckler. Uh, it, they're calling the Chargers are calling it both a knee and a hamstring injury, basically a hamstring strain and a hyperextended knee. That's at least the diagnosis as you and I are uh, recording this episode of Fantasy Football in 15 on Sunday. He left the game on crutches with a brace on his knee no word yet as to the severity of whatever this injury is ending up being but already expected to miss multiple weeks here for Austin Eckler so definitely bad news there uh, we've got a couple of guys who could be factoring into the fantasy mix with Eckler out the first of course is Joshua Kelly uh, was not a pretty game for him nine carries for seven yards three catches for 26 yards but in a world where Austin Eckler is going to be out is Joshua Kelly locked in as a fantasy starter I think he is I mean he was getting work even with Eckler being healthy I think 
the takeaway for me from this matchup on Sunday is that Tampa Bay's defense is pretty mm-hmm. good. They've been pretty good all year. And I think with Kelly, you're looking at steady volume week to week, maybe quarterback play that's going to be better than expected with Justin Herbert taking over earlier than expected. Obviously, very unfortunate circumstances there that uh, put Tyrod Taylor on the sidelines. But I think with Joshua Kelly... We're looking at probably a top 25 running back most weeks with the chance for him to kind of creep up into 15 to 20 range when the Chargers end up in a more favorable spot. Yeah, definitely on the Buccaneers really quickly. That's a run defense that is legit. And that was true last year. Even when they weren't a very good team and they were giving up a lot of points, they weren't really giving up much on the ground. You could throw on them, and Justin Herbert did throw on them uh, in uh, week four, and we'll talk about that in a second here. But that is a very good run defense that you're going to have to have in mind whenever your running backs go up against the Buccaneers. I agree with you on Joshua Kelly. He's probably going to fit into that RB2 range. I'm still not sure what the receiving upside is going to be for him without Austin Eckler, but the volume is going to be there for him. At least we should expect it to be there for him week in and week out while Eckler is out. So uh, if you already have had Joshua Kelly, he's probably been someone who's been on your flex radar every week. Maybe you haven't been starting him, but without Eckler, you're probably just going to be plugging him into that lineup and letting him run free. Justin Jackson, of course, is now going to have a larger role we at least we expect for the Chargers with Eckler out. For me, Derek, not really a priority add, uh, and I'm not sure how robust the waiver wire is going to be this week. I could see throwing a contingency bid at uh, Justin Jackson, especially if I am running back needy, and now we have buys starting in week five, but I I just don't really see enough of a role for him uh, unless Eckler's uh, injury ends up being something that costs him a ton of time. I'm not going to be very interested in Justin Jackson on the wire this week. Yeah, I think the baseline skills are questionable, and I think the only thing that's up for grabs that I think is going to go to Kelly anyway is what Eckler does as a pass catcher. I think that's almost more of a a scheme sort of adjustment where you expect the Chargers to throw to their running backs less as a group and maybe rely a little more heavily on Mike Williams once he gets back. Obviously, they rely a lot on Keenan Allen, maybe bump up the target load of Hunter Henry on a week-to-week basis as well. So, Uh, I think it's like a 70-30 or 80-20 split touch-wise favoring Kelly at this point, and that limits the utility of Jackson to the very deepest of leagues, at least for the short term. All right, the other big running back injury on Sunday also happened in the early slate of games. This one also happened early in the game, and that was to Nick Chubb left with a knee injury. He's got an MRI coming later today, uh, but this is one that looked bad in real time. I was actually watching the game as it happened, and he was in pass protection and got rolled up, an injury that we see happen time and time and time again to offensive linemen. This time, it got the running back in Nick Chubb. Uh, Kareem Hunt entered the game having missed a couple of practices this week. He was dealing with a groin injury of his own. Looked pretty good in the game. 11 carries for 71 yards and two touchdowns. Dearness Johnson uh, came out of nowhere in this game to lead the Browns in rushing. 13 carries for 95 yards. We'll start with Kareem Hunt here. I mean, Derek, if Chubb is out for, for any amount of time, however many games he's out, he's out one game, he's out five games, whatever it is, Kareem Hunt is an RB1 for as long as Nick Chubb is out, right? I think so because he already has the passing down work and he would get at least half the carries, if not more. And I think the question you and I were kicking around before we started recording was how much of Dearness Johnson's role against the Cowboys was based on Hunt going into this game with a groin injury. And I think a decent bit of that uh, is the explanation for why Dearness Johnson carried the ball 13 times. Ran well, 95 yards, had a long carry of 28. I mean, it was a good enough body of work to where I think he's clearly the guy over 
Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, but the question I have really is, is Johnson viable? I mean, compared to someone like Justin Jackson, sure. I, I would rather have Johnson as a short-term pickup, uh, even though we don't know the extent of Chubb's injury at this time. Yeah, I'm not going too crazy for him either. I think it really is a a, a product of Hunt having the groin injury coming into this game. You know, the Browns made all four of these running backs active for a reason. They didn't know Nick Chubb was going to get hurt. That was all, I think, a contingency for Kareem Hunt. So they didn't want to tax Hunt too much. And you'll remember this game, it got super interesting late. But for a while there, while Johnson was doing a lot of his damage, it looked like the Browns had that game totally in hand. So that was also, I think, part of him getting 13 carries. Looked great, like you said. Looked very good while getting those 13 carries and piling up 95 yards. But got to believe for as long as Nick Chubb is out, this is going to be a backfield that belongs probably not entirely, but largely to Kareem Hunt. And again, that's going to make him an RB1 for as long as Nick Chubb is on the sidelines. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Derek, let's talk about some items of news coming out of Sunday's games. We were talking about Nick Chubb. Let's talk about that Browns offense as a whole exploding for 49 points, the uh, craziest two-point conversion you're ever going to see in your life, getting them to that 49 mark rather than 47 or 48. Do you have a sigh of relief now for Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry after seeing the way that this offense performed against a bad Dallas defense on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, largely I I do. I I think... This is a team that needs momentum, and they have it now. I mean, they're 3-1. and one. They've played well enough to get off to one of their best starts in 20 years. And I think with Baker, the bigger question is, is he more than a game manager with great weapons? Like, I didn't think that was the kind of player he was yeah. coming into the league. But you think about this way this team's built, even without Nick Chubb potentially for a couple of weeks, Kareem Hunt can be a top five running back, possibly. I mean, he could be that good. Uh, if given the volume, the job might be to just not turn the ball over. And that's something that Baker did uh, against the Cowboys. He didn't didn't turn the ball over, and that's huge. So is the ceiling top 10 offense as a whole? Is it top 10 running game, a sort of league average passing attack? My thought is it's more the latter, and that's the best for the Browns to win games. It's not necessarily the best for us as fantasy players. Part of the issue here for me Jarvis Landry on multiple occasions has either told the media or has had people on the coaching staff tell the media that he has not been 100%. He is mm-hmm. not completely recovered from hip surgery. So you don't have typical Landry. Beckham looked like the Odell Beckham we saw in New York, which we didn't see a lot of that last year from him. So that's a really good sign for this offense. And then it's just sort of spreading the ball around to the tight ends, right? Austin Hooper hasn't been a high-volume guy. 
you know, Harrison Bryant finds a way to muddy things up. It just seems like a good, well-balanced offense with star power at receiver, star power at running back, and not necessarily a big volume in the passing game week in and week out. So it's like a good thing that they got in there and, and won, and Beckham had this monstrous game. But the way they did it makes me think that Baker's just not going to hit that ceiling we thought he was going to hit coming off of his rookie year. I think that's perfectly said, Derek. The only guy who I breathe a sigh of relief on after this game really is Odell Beckham. It was great to see him not only perform the way he did and put down the bottom line numbers he did, but the way he did it. A few big plays, a few surgical routes, five catches for 81 yards, two touchdowns, and then that incredible run that seemingly iced the game. Uh, 73 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground as well. So I'm definitely feeling good about Odell Beckham, but still, Baker Mayfield... 165 yards and two touchdowns. And we're talking about, you know, five yards and change per attempt here for Baker Mayfield in this game. I agree with you. And you know, it works for the Browns, right? That he just took care of the ball, made the plays that were available to him, made a few big plays, and they go out and hang 49 points on the board and get a really nice win on the road in Dallas to move to three and one. That's you know, it's a formula that clearly can work for this team. And while that's great for them and definitely has a nice foundation for the passing game. I don't know if we're going to see any huge numbers from Baker Mayfield going forward. So in a fantasy context, the one guy who I really feel good about coming out of this game is Odell Beckham. I said we would talk about Justin Herbert. Has he cemented himself as the starter after what he did uh, against the Buccaneers on a Sunday, throwing for three touchdowns, 290 yards, really going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and nearly pulling out another upset victory for the Chargers? I think he's done enough to keep the job, and uh, I've said this a few times, I feel terrible for Tyrod Taylor because uh, a medical accident has cost him a starting job in the NFL, and you kind of wonder, is he going to get another chance to start? Because I think he's unfortunately been labeled as a backup quarterback, and this was a a rare opportunity for him with the Chargers, and I think with the weapons he had, there was at least a chance he'd play better than he did when he was getting that opportunity in Buffalo a few years ago, but The Chargers have invested a lot in Herbert. He gives them a chance to win every week. He's the quarterback of the future. I just don't see, after watching what he's done since taking over in Week 2, why you would really go back to Taylor at this point. Let the young guy play and get those reps, even if you're not going to be a playoff team this year. Chargers know that they took the they took him with the sixth overall pick for a reason with the way he's played with this opportunity. I agree it's going to be very hard to go back to Tyrod no matter how Justin Herbert came into the starting job. Let's look on the other side of that Browns-Cowboys ridiculous game. I think it's time to get worried about Michael Gallup, Derek. This was someone who I really liked coming into the season, but he had just two catches for 29 yards in this game. CeeDee Lamb with another very good game, five grabs, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. Amari Cooper uh, looks like a pretty comfortable number one there for Dallas. It's just been four games now where we really haven't seen a ton out of Michael Gallup. I think that, you know, I'm not cutting him. I'm not recommending anyone cuts him outright unless you're in a very shallow league, but I think he can be defaulted to your bench at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think he's still someone you want to stash because if any one of Cooper or CeeDee Lamb or even in the running game, Ezekiel Elliott were to get hurt, that would open up more targets, right? And I think if there's a nudge to the target floor in this offense, which has been forced to play from behind, it seems like every single week, there's still a ton of talent there that he could make good on. Uh, but this is weird. I mean, Dalton Schultz, 4 for 72 on 8 targets, compared to Gallup, 2 for 29 on 5. So yeah. aside from Cooper and aside from CeeDee Lamb, it's Dalton Schultz at tight end. It's Zeke catching passes out of the backfield. 
Uh, it's even guys like Cedric Wilson getting more targets than Gallup. I, I'm kind of stunned because I didn't expect this much from Schultz, and I thought Gallup would take the bulk of the first half and still be the number two receiver in this offense. I thought it was going to take some time for CeeDee Lamb to pass him. I was wrong about that. Yeah, I was right there with you, and we should mention uh, that Ezekiel Elliott is really throwing a wrench into this. He has at least a 10% target share in all four of Dallas's games this season, so he is getting a ton of work as a receiver, and that seems like Michael Gallup is maybe the biggest loser out of that pass-catching group. One more guy I want to talk about here, Justin Jefferson with another big game. Derek, four catches, 103 yards. He already has eight catches of 20-plus yards on the season here. At this point, are you trusting Justin? I think I am because they had a clear need once Stephon Diggs left and back-to-back weeks, Jefferson's been heavily involved. I, he's passing the eye test at every turn. I, I think he's legit at this point. I'd probably consider him a steady like top 30, top 35 receiver most weeks, especially now that we're into bye weeks and things are going to get thinned out a little bit. Yeah, I am uh, right there with you. I think we have to win. This was a first game, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a long time. It was sometime early in the 2000s, the first time that the that the Vikings, excuse me, have had three different guys rack up 100 yards from scrimmage uh, in one game, that being Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. And maybe this offense has woken up after what we've seen from it the last couple of weeks. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can still get yourself in the door for just $1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be right back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy the games tonight.